Welcome into a Friday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on the show today. Braves got to get it going. Not a good start last night in New York. Braves aren't going to win without Ronnie either this year and some options at defensive tackle for the Atlanta Falcons. It's all next. Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. We welcome you into this Friday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. As always, we ask you to head to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser when you get there. Hit that subscribe button, be a part of our ever-growing community, leave us a comment. Of course, we're free and available, all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. When you find us, give us that five-star review, and of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Well... Was not a good start to this series up in New York. And yeah, I understand it's only one game, but the Braves are now four and a half games back in the division. And, you know, last night, Kyle Wright was not overly good. Let's put it that way. Six innings, seven hits, six runs all earned that he gave up. A couple of walks, four strikeouts. But the concerning part is the four home runs that has been given up, that was given up last night uh, by him. Look, again, is this five-game series the make or break for the Braves in winning the division? No, but it is August, and you do start to run out of games. And you have this five-game set, and then a four-game set, and then you only have three left with the Mets after that, which will be the second-to-last series of the year. This is where the Braves have to get this thing cranked up and going. And it's not going to get easier. We talked the other day about the pitching matchups. You know, Sunday is DeGrom and Strider, okay? You know, tonight, the dueling Maxes, right? Max Freed, Max Scherzer going at it tonight. You have a doubleheader on Saturday. You know, you don't want to throw a game away or anything like that because you're playing a doubleheader. Braves have to get cranked up and get going. You know, we keep talking about... You know, it's great to, you know, kind of hang in there and stay close and all this and the other. But you lose a couple of these games and all of a sudden you look up and, you know, it's not just a half a game or a couple of games back. You know, last night makes it four and a half. And and you could very easily find yourself all of a sudden, you know, six or seven games back in the division by the time you get through this weekend. And it does start to get hard to try to make all those games up, especially when, you're getting down to where you're starting to lose the amount of head-to-head matchups. For all that we talk about, 19 times that these teams are going to play and this, that, and the other. Well, after this five-game set, you have the four-game you know, hookup in Atlanta coming up in less than a couple of weeks, and then one last three-game set. It'll go by quickly. And then it's back to scoreboard watching, right? Then it's back to, well, you know, we didn't handle a business against the Mets, so... We got to beat up these teams, but what are the Mets doing or this and the other? And I'll give the Mets credit. I mean, let, let's not let's not dismiss what the Mets have been this year. You know, they've they've had a really good year this year, and they've gotten good years, you know, out of um, Lindor, out of Alonzo. You know, I think bringing Marte in was it was a good thing for them. Carrasco last night, he was pretty good, six innings with three runs and six strikeouts. 
He's had a really good year for them, right? He's got 12 wins on the season himself. You know, we know what Max Scherzer is. We know what Jacob deGrom is if he's healthy in pitching. So the Mets are not without talent. The Mets have done a lot of good things this year. And I know we keep sitting back saying, well, you know, eventually the Mets are going to met, right? Now they're 67 and 38 right now. You know, that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good chunk where we're what about two thirds of the way through the season. They're not kind of metting, and they haven't gone on any on any real long extended losing streaks or anything like that. You know, it's been about as much as you know the Braves being really good. You know, and getting things going here after the early part of the year to keep them in this division race. But you know, it's time to flip the switch and get some things going. Now we'll talk about in the next segment about one player in particular who good to see him get off the schneid last night but you know they got to get some contributions from some guys and get some of these guys going you know we talked about Dansby Swanson looks like he's back but you know he took an offer last night Olson took an offer Riley took an offer last night you know your only your only runs came from Ronnie at the very top and Michael Harris at the very bottom they drove in all four runs your number nine and your number one hitter last night and again the matchups are not going to get easier now you see Scherzer. Then you're going to see DeGrom, right? You know, and Carrasco's a really good pitcher. I'll I'll give him credit, and and he's, you know, had a really good year for them. His ERA is a little bit high, you know, maybe a little bit higher than than you would want, you know, at, at you know, not quite four, but about 3.8. But he's got 12 wins on the season. So, you know, the idea of the Braves just kind of hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, you know, we kind of got to get past that, right? These are the games that matter most now. You know, we can joke about the Marlins and the god-awful Nationals and the pawn scum Arizona Diamondbacks and the low-life Pittsburgh Pirates. And there are plenty of those games left. You look at the schedule for the Braves, you know, going to Pittsburgh and all these just low-life pawn scum, you know, sludge on the bottom of a barrel teams. There are plenty of games against those teams. But, you know, the Mets, the Phillies, and... Some of these teams, look, let's let's talk about the Phillies for a second. They feel like they're still a playoff team. They're not in the division race, but they still feel like they're a wild card team. And they didn't put a $200 million payroll together to just fade and go away. You know, they didn't they didn't put that team together to just kind of, you know, fluff their way through the season. They expect them to be a playoff team. If not, then there's going to have to be some changes in Philadelphia. But they spent a couple of hundred million dollars on their payroll this year for a reason to be in the playoff hunt so those games are going to matter so you know, it was just kind of a disappointing effort last night Wright just didn't have his good stuff last night when you give up four home runs you know in a game obviously you know you just kind of start scratching your head and things like that and it took the Braves a little bit to get their offense cranked up and going last night you know as well you know they scored in the fifth inning and then scored one more time in the seventh and you know that was it, you know, from there. Didn't have enough of the gas to, to take it back. And, you know, Diaz comes in last night with a two-inning save. You, you, can, you can see that the Mets know that this is a, a series for them to really start to get a little bit of separation between them and Atlanta. You know, seeing little things like bringing in Diaz in the eighth inning to take a two-out save or two-inning save, excuse me. You know, you bring your closer in for a two-inning save, and I know in modern baseball analytics, sabermetrics, metrosexual stats and stuff like that, that that's 
that's a little bit different, but that's old school baseball is bringing a closer and letting them save it, you know, it for a two inning save. So Braves have got to get this thing turned around and get it cranked up and going. Braves need to take three out of five in this series. Braves need to need to keep the foot on the gas pedal and not let up. It's time to time to start beating the New York Mets, who, by the way, the Braves don't have a winning record against. All right, we'll talk about one Braves player in particular here in just a second. But first, let me talk about my folks over at betonline.net. You know, we've talked a lot about these folks. Hey, NFL got it going last night. Huh? We had preseason NFL football. So you need NFL football. We got Major League Baseball. We're headed for pennant races, right? We got boxing, MMA. We got golf. We got all kinds of things going on here. Betonline.net is the fastest, easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events, the number one all online source for odds, lines, and games, of course. Look, it's very simple. You've got your mobile device. You head to betonline.net. You go in there, check out all, all the action. You need sports wagering information. They have live in-game betting. You need scores. You want information from podcasts. All of it is right there in the palm of your hand. Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf available to you at betonline.net. So head to betonline.net today take your mobile device learn more about the action that's happening out there betonline.net is where the game starts now one particular player who did have you know a nice night last night was ronald acuna jr who's one for four with a couple of runs driven in more importantly is he got off the schneid and finally hit a home run and this had been the longest streak i think 75 at bats the longest streak that ronald acuna jr had gone without a home run and obviously, it's been a very mixed bag for Ronnie. Coming back from injury and this, that, and the other, and all the little tweaks and stuff like that that he had when he first came back. You know, there's been some good, there's been some not so good, and things like that. But going into last night, before last night's game, the stretch in between of home runs in an 18-game stretch, Ronnie was hitting 203 with no homers and two RBI. Let me repeat that. 203, no homers, and two RBI. That was his stretch between his last homer game and before last night's game. 321 on base, 232 slugging, 553 OPS. Five steals, but three caught stealing as well out there. I, I you know, look, I don't know if it's the physical aspect of it. I don't know exactly what the, the deal is with Ronnie this year. There have been a lot of good things about Ronnie. You know, it looked like, you know, at times he was turning the corner and this and the other. But it's been a struggle for him this year. No doubt about it. And I know he's battled. And I know he's battled injuries and things like that. But, you know, sitting at nine homers as we're in the month of August, and he's only scored 42 runs. He only has 26 RBI. The 22 steals looks good. The 354 on base, you know, is pretty good. He is, you know, as far as wins above replacement goes. He is in the positive. He is 1.2. But the Braves caught so much magic in a bottle last year, didn't they? When you look at Rosario and Soler and Peterson and the moves that the Braves made, right? They caught lightning in a bottle. And, and I think we're seeing that, that now. They caught everything kind of came together for the Braves at the right time. Even without Ronnie, having steady Freddie at first base and just the way that this infield played last year, and the moves that Alex Anthopoulos made, they all kind of kicked in. And, and again, everything just kind of came together, and especially in the playoffs. 
Now, I'm not saying that that can't repeat or happen again, but this is not going to be a year where the Braves are going to win the World Series with Ronnie kind of sitting on the sidelines and sitting this thing out. He is a key cog and a key piece. And as we've said before on this particular show, he's that straw that stirs the drink. You get him and Dansby going at the top of the lineup, it looks completely different. And again, I understand injuries and coming back from major surgery. I get all of that stuff. I'm, and I'm okay with that. And you have to work through some of his growing pains. But there are some things about Ronnie that you don't expect to have to kind of wait on, right? One of those is his power numbers. You know, naturally, he's a slugger, right? I've always said, and, and I got heat for this, that I don't think he profiles as an as a top-of-the-order guy, a guy that should hit leadoff. He should be more in a run-producing role. But I will give Ronnie lots of credit. Since he's been a leadoff hitter these last few years, he's really embraced that role. And if you look at his on-base percentage and things like that, he's really embraced the idea of what a guy at the top of the order needs to do. First and foremost is get on base and get yourself in scoring position for your other sluggers on your team. He's done a great job of that. So I give him all the credit in the world. He's really grown as a player. But they need him now. And, and last night was hopefully a good sign of, okay, you know, he had a rocket shot last night. You hope that that's going to start to turn some things around. If you'd have told me that on August 5th, we'd be sitting here and talking about Ronald Acuna only having nine homers and only scored 42 runs, I probably would have scratched my head and been like, nah, that can't be right. But that's where we're at right now, right? That That's where we're at with Ronnie. So look, certainly if the Braves are going to be a World Series champion, again this year there's no Freddie to lean on this year for all the for all the good things that they that they have going on obviously right now one piece that's sort of missing is Ronald Acuna and and you look at his numbers overall 11 doubles nine homers doesn't have a triple um this year he does have the 22 steals he does lead the league in caught stealing batting average is down to 256 you know 354 on base is pretty good but if you look at his last two seasons at 394 in 406 in the pandemic year, you know, that's where he really showed he can embrace that leadoff role and be that guy who can get on base and get himself in a scoring position and score from anywhere on the field and put that pressure on defenses. So for all the the, the things that, that worked itself out last year, right, things just kind of came together. Rosario all of a sudden gets red hot in the playoffs. Soler has the monster World Series, right? All of those moves that kind of paid off, and despite not having Ronnie, everything else kind of came together and fell in place. Well, I'm not sure that you can catch lightning in a bottle twice. You need your stars to be your stars. And Riley's held up his end of the deal. I think Olsen's, you know, held up his end of the deal as well. You need your stars to be your stars. And, and one of the guys that you need is obviously Ronald Acuna. And look, you haven't asked him to play center field this year. You know, that's one of the good things is that you've been able to play him in right field or DH him this year where you try to take some pressure off of his legs, right? So defensively, he's still a very good outfielder, but you don't ask him to do some of the things like playing in center field every day. So anything that the Braves can do to kind of help him out and get him on track, let's really hope that last night was maybe that launching pad of Ronnie, you know, maybe getting some of that power stroke back. You know, we keep sitting back and waiting for, one of those stretches where for about 15 games, right, he just goes off on a tear. He finds that home run stroke, right? You know, all of a sudden in a in about a you know 15 game stretch, 
he's got six or seven or eight home runs in a stretch like that. And it feels like every night you expect him to hit one out of the ballpark. We haven't had that this year from Ronnie. And I understand the reasons why and things like that. But I think we all expected Ronnie to have a little bit bigger year this year. Even coming off of the knee injury and things like that, we felt like, okay, he's going to miss a month or so of the season to get started. We'll work himself back in. And, and I don't think some of his struggles are they brought him back. That's the narrative, too, has been, you know, well, some of his struggles are because they brought him back. They, they didn't bring him back too early. They didn't. You know, all, all the medicals and all the doctors and everything like that said he was, you know, good to go. And his groin injury early on had nothing to do with him, you know, with his knee or what have you like that. It was a matter of him probably trying to exert a little bit too much. And the Braves may have asked a little bit more of him with playing a lot more outfield and things like that because they needed him early on in the year. They, they didn't really have a lot of outfield options. You saw how bad the Braves outfield defense was earlier this year, right? When they had Rosario and Ozuna and they had to play those guys more regularly. I mean, they asked a lot of their defense from their outfield. Ronnie and Duvall were playing every day and having to run balls down all over the place, right? I think that's part of what Adam Duvall's struggles were is that he had to play so much center field day in, day out for this team that I think it affected his hitting. The idea of, and look, center field in Major League Baseball is not an easy position to play, but you, you have a guy out there that's got to, you've got to exert a lot of energy in your legs. You have to, you know, obviously cover a lot of ground. Your center field is sort of the captain of your outfield. It does take a lot of pressure, put a lot of pressure on you when you have to play that much defense. And I think that's some of the things that Ronnie ran into is he had to play a lot of defense and had to exert himself a lot early on. And I think forcing him to try to do some of those things. So it wasn't a matter of they brought him back too early from the knee injury. He had all the medical clearance. The doctor said he was good to go and things like that. He could do what he needed to do. And it's not been a matter of that he's tweaked his, his knee again. It's been a matter of a groin or this or that or you know, an ankle or whatever. I mean, it's been some of those things for Ronnie. But last night was hopefully a good sign. He hit the big blast last night. But, you know, when you see Ronald Acuna go through his longest stretch of a no-homer streak, right, 75 at-bats or what have you, or plate appearances or what have you, when he goes a long time without it, you start to think, okay, what's going on with him? Physically, is he fine? Is he there? So if the Braves are going to get this thing you know, where they're back into winning the division and being the top dog in the NL, they need their guy at the top of the order to do that. They they need Ronnie to be back and, and, and figure some things out. And again, you know, he's got these stretches this year where, you know, we talked about a couple of these stretches over the course of this season where it's like, okay, you know, this is this has been rough here, a little bit like that. It's a 180 stretch here. And I get the guys to go through all that. In 162 major league baseball season guys are going to go through hot streaks and things like that it just feels like though we haven't seen that stretch where ronnie carries this team right feels like in seasons past we've seen one of those two-week stretches where ronnie explodes and he's the centerpiece of this offense doesn't feel like we've gotten that out of ronnie this year so hopefully last night was a good sign hopefully last night was getting things back on track and let's hope that that power stroke gets back as well all right, we'll talk about some options for the Atlanta Falcons, a defensive tackle. But first, let me talk about my folks over at Coffee AM. You know how excited I am about these folks drinking my coffee right now. Coffee AM, and every single morning, multiple cups of coffee for Chuck here. Listen, I want you to head to coffeeam.com. I want you to look at all, all the variety of things that they have available. No matter what your coffee kind of style or flavorings are, 
you like flavored coffee, you want organic coffees, you want K-Cups, whatever it is that you want, you can find it at coffeeam, coffeeam.com. The, the best part, though, is that, and I love this fact about it, they are local here to the state of Georgia. They're up in Canton. They're an online coffee company, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. So here's what I want you to do. You head to coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Coffeeam.com backslash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Go there. Check out their wide selection of products. They have coffees. They have teas. They have different gifts that's available. So when you get there, look through the menu, find what you want, put that order together. So on that first order, here's what we got going on. When you go to checkout, put that coupon code locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Coupon code locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Put that coupon code in the checkout and you get 15% off that first order. Whatever it is, coffees, teas, gifts, that doesn't matter. Whatever it is you put together on that first order, 15% off simply by using the coupon code locked on at checkout, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. CoffeeAM.com is the best small batch coffee roaster in America. So I want to give credit here. This is from um, Falcon's Wire, which is a part of the USA Today network. And uh, the author of this article was Matt Urban. And he went through a list of names after, obviously, Vincent Taylor ruptured his Achilles, which has been really the, the only major injury that the Falcons have had, thankfully, so far through training camp. Vincent Taylor ruptured his Achilles the other day. Uh, on Tuesday in a, a non-contact practice injury. And obviously, look, defensive in, interior defensive line is not exactly a, a, a big strength of this club right now. Um, you know, and they're hoping for the Taquan Grahams and guys like that to step up and, and do some things. Okay, so they put a list together of 11 available defensive tackle options for the Falcons. Some of these names, okay, I'm more intrigued by than the others. Uh, Trayvon Coley. Brandon Williams, uh, Linval Joseph, Zach Kerr, Corey Peters, star uh, Lotulale, uh, um, Tyler Davison, no thanks. I've seen Tyler Davison. He's, he was former Falcon. No thanks. I'm good. Danny Shelton, uh, Gerald McCoy, Sheldon Richardson, and Dominican Sue. Now, look, I've talked about a couple of these guys before, specifically talked about a Dominican Sue. I love the idea of going in here and bringing in one of these veterans. I like the idea of McCoy. I like the idea of Sheldon Richardson. I like the idea of Indomitian and Sue. Because here's the thing. Let, let's be honest. We can talk about what Taquan Graham profiles as and this, that, and the other. And we can hope for the best and blah, 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 right? But with Goldman deciding to retire, there aren't a lot of great options on the roster as it currently stands to play beside Grady Jarrett. There just there just aren't. And I don't want to get back into another year of triple team and Grady and watching the videos on NFL films of Grady talking about, man, how many guys are you going to throw at me? Like he did with the Lions last year. Talking about them throwing three guys at him last year. Right? I don't want to see all that this year. So if that means go get Sue or a Sheldon Richardson or whatever, I don't know what a lot of these guys have left in their tank. But I know they can't be any worse or, you know, they have to be better, I would think, than what the options are right now. Like, I don't want Tyler Davison. I mean, I've seen that and, and I know what he is and it ain't much. So I'm good. I don't I, you know what's 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 old is not new again. I don't I don't need all that. But again, I've talked about this before. 
why not roll the dice on an Indomitian Sioux or a Jason Pierre-Paul? This team has money available to it. And the Falcons are in no position to sit there and tell people, yeah, we're in good shape. Yeah, we, we've got the guys that we need. Yeah, we can coach these guys up and this and the other. And I know that's what they want to say. And, and there is a certain degree of that that does have to happen. They do have to coach some of their guys up, some of their rookies and things like that. But if you don't have talent, and, and the Falcons you know, are always coming in when we talk about talented rosters and roster talent in the league, Falcons are always at the very bottom of the barrel, right? They're last or second to last or third to last, you know, no matter what publication you come out with as far as talent goes. So, look, I know the Falcons are probably waiting on to see what kind of cuts are going to be had around the league. But I'd like the idea of before we get into preseason, before preseason is going to start, which will be August 12th. So a week from tonight is the Falcons first preseason game. So before you get into that, bring a guy in, get him in camp and get him acclimated. Now, look, I understand some guys may not want to come and play for a bad organization. Not that the Falcons are a bad organization to play for, just they're not a very good team, right? And I get that. You know, and Adamican Sue is hoping for a Super Bowl contender to play for. I get some of that stuff. But right now, beggars can't be choosers. And there are some decent names. I'll take a role on Sheldon Richardson. I got no problem with that. I'll take a role on Danny Shelton or Gerald McCoy right now. I got, I got no issue with that. You know, Corey Peters, that's another interesting guy that's on this list. Let's bring somebody in. I know what we're waiting for. And I know that, you know, well, we're in camp and we're not quite at preseason yet and blah, 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 blah. And some of those guys, look, let, let's be honest. Some of those guys may not want to come into camp right now, right? Some of those guys may not. That's why I keep saying I think Rob Gronkowski is going to play in the league this year. He's going to wait for training camp and preseason and all that other nonsense that, that he doesn't need to get through. You're a big, thick defensive tackle. You want to be out in the 95-degree you know, degree Georgia heat sweating things out you know, for practices? Probably not, especially if you're a veteran. I mean, with all due respect to an Indomitian Sioux or Gerald McCoy or something like that, look, those guys know what to do to be successful in the league at this point. They're not fooling anybody with what they need to do and not do and stuff. So, you know, look, I, I'm sure that there is some gamesmanship that is going on between players and teams and this, that, and the other. But the Falcons have some money available. And there are names out there on the marketplace that frankly are probably better than you know anybody named Grady Jarrett or certainly can't be worse than the Taquan Grahams of the world. But it just feels like we, we have a need. There are guys out there. You want to see this team get aggressive and go do what it needs to do, right? You want to see Terry Fontenot get aggressive and get this thing going. Because, look, I, this, this team, while it may not be great, and, and, I, and I keep talking about this. There's no reason that they can't exceed some of the expectations. You know, there's no reason for them to be a 2-15 and 15 football team. There's not. If they're a 2-15 and 15 football team this year, then we have to start talking about what the coaches are. Did we draft well? Who's the people that we're going to grow with moving forward? And so when you have some money, you know, again, even for all the cap purgatory and things like that that the Falcons are in, they have some money right now. And I do think that they are going to go out on the marketplace. I've talked to enough people that cover the Falcons. They all expect that the Falcons are still going to make some moves. I think this is more a matter of you're waiting to see who suddenly becomes available, right? 
You don't want to pull the trigger too early. You want to see if maybe there's a cap casualty or something like that. Probably the same thing teams are doing with a Deion Jones, right? Probably the same thing teams are looking at Deion Jones and saying, okay, let's wait this thing out. Falcons will eventually have to cut him if they can't find a dance partner, right? So I think maybe that's part of what the Falcons are hoping for. But at least that there are some names at that interior defensive tackle spot. Would just like to see the Falcons go ahead and start to jump and start to bring one of those guys in now. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuckery your first listen every day. Make A to Z with Mark Zeno your second listen every day. Mark is back talking all things Atlanta sports. Of course, opinions you may not like, but you know you've got to hear. So he is free and available on our YouTube page at Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hit that subscribe button. Be a part of our growing community. Free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. And, of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Enjoy the weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta.